Hi everyone, it's Dr. W, your host of the podcast, Grief Glasses. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing my niece, Emerald Graham. Emerald, thank you so much for taking time to join me and wanting to have a conversation with me about the topic of grief and pain. And I want to ask you, um, when you hear the term grief, what comes to mind? When hearing the term grief, instantly I think of sadness, but I also think of anger, um, just in dealing with grief of my own. But mm-hmm. sadness is what comes to mind first, as well as pain. Okay. Um, I think grief comes with pain as well. So uh, that, that helps to give this conversation a little bit of perspective and I've had a couple of interviews already. So what story are, are you planning to share with, with my audience today in terms of your grief experience and pain? The story I'll be sharing with you and your audience um, will be two people. Um, my grandfather, Hampton Washington, and my grandmother, Harriet Washington. Okay. All right. Um, and I know that um, this is not an easy topic, uh, but certainly this is one I think will be helpful to many people who are dealing with uh, pain and grief. So let's get started. Um, so you're planning to talk about my parents and your grandparents, um, and certainly that's uh, an important topic for me as as the family. I think we've we've been managing. Uh, that journey uh, well and helping each other along the way. So I wonder if you would uh, share with me a little bit of your journey. So when I say your journey of how you dealt with this grief and pain, I would like for you to start somewhat from the beginning in terms of when you first found out that um, your grandmother was ill and when your grandfather was ill and dealing with their illness and and how things evolved and transpired. So if you can kind of start there and tell me about your thought process and uh, your actions and anything else that you think would be important to share. Okay. I'll start off first with my grandfather, Hampton. Um, I remember I was in school. I was attending Elon University And I was going into my senior year. I played softball there. Uh, I also, just to give a little bit of a backstory, I was also dealing with an injury, which I had to have surgery with. So Mm -hmm. on top of me dealing with that and, you know, thinking of not being able to possibly play the upcoming season, I find out that my grandfather is ill. And at the age that I was, up until that moment, I don't recall experiencing someone being hospitalized, especially for his condition. So instantly, I got scared. I was trying to figure out how was I going to get to him. I'm here at school. And I just couldn't think, I just didn't want to not have the opportunity to see him one last time. So... 
in those moments leading up to me going to see him in the hospital, it was tough. And just not being able to have actual interactions or any kind of conversation with him, that was probably the hardest part. I think I just go back to thinking of maybe the last time we did have a conversation. And if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. at the beginning of that year, in April is my birthday, I remembered I called him or he called me. I can't recall. Um, he had called me to wish me happy birthday. Mm-hmm. And I remember because I was at school at one of the coffee shops in between classes. So I feel like that was probably the last conversation I feel like I had with him. Um, not very long, but, you know, <laughs> he would always send us money, you know, in a car, just signed his name or uh, <laughs> Mama Jen would. But leading up to that moment, being in that hospital and knowing that at some point he wasn't going to make a full recovery, it hit deep. Um, I know he is your father, but my mother raised us, you know, she was a single parent, um, you know, for the majority of my life, but he stepped up to the father role for me and my younger brother. So hearing that's, that someone you look up to, someone who is there to comfort you, talk with you, laugh with you, give you advice, knowing that just knowing that I would never be able to get to have those conversations or that advice from him or the comfort or the birthday card. It was shattering. And of course that day that we got the phone call that we needed to come straight back to the hospital. I remember walking in and seeing my grandmother right outside the main doors and she was crying. And my entire life, I've never seen her cry before. So I remember I walked past her and the next person that I saw was you, Chris, and you were crying. So at this point, all the pain that I felt was just insurmountable. It was too much to control because I did not want to go up there knowing what I was about to see. Knowing that the man who has always been strong, who carried this family, was laying sick and dying in a hospital bed. I know that the the hospital staff did everything they could for him. And I'm grateful for that. But it's just, there are just times where I just, I just wish that there just could have been something else. You know, you always want to feel like they have more time. Yeah. You know, so that was probably the hardest 
Mm-hmm. You know, just because that was the first experience that I can say I dealt with death for a a close relative of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you say you dealt with with death and, and the pain there, you mentioned the word shattering. <laughs> when I think of shattering, you know, I think of glass and so many pieces. And when you think about something that shatters and there are pieces, how did you deal with the broken pieces? What, what was your process of processing it and beginning to say, I have to accept this and now I have to figure out what's next. How do I begin to heal? So talk to me a little bit about that process. Since he ended up passing away just before I started my senior year of school in my last season of playing softball as a collegiate athlete, I knew right off the bat I was going to dedicate that season to him. I think I can recall Paul Paul seeing me play softball maybe three times. Um, just a different softball turn this throughout my uh, career. But that, that season, I knew I was going to dedicate to him. So all the hard work that I saw in him, his work ethic, his willpower, I wanted to put all of that in then some into my last season. I I just wanted to make sure that I was going to go out, you know, with the bang. I always thought that he was looking down on me. Every time I stepped into the batter's box, I was always saying, Pop, I'll be with me. And I might not have, you know, had great games throughout the season, struck out. But that was just always something that I would just tell myself to give me some sort of comfort. because. Me as an emotional person, I could not think of him without crying. So it was kind of hard, you know, being in the batter's box and trying to stay focused. But it was just something that I was able to do just to slowly get myself through it. You know, even though I was an athlete, I was a student first. So I I had to definitely focus on my academics. Um but then I just knew when it came to my softball where I could, if I needed to release some anger because I was angry that he was no longer with me, I was able to take all that frustration out when it came to lifting, practice, what have you. But I just knew that he was giving me the strength I needed. And that was what was able to help carry me through. He was my angel. You know, he was my angel that season. So you used um, sports some to help you. And, and I, I guess I shouldn't say some a lot because a season is it's not just a few games. Um, no, a long were, season, yeah. Yeah. Um, were there any people that you relied on or um, or any types of, I guess what I would say would be rituals or practices that you put in place that were helpful to you in terms of processing and your your healing 
I know Tamika, um, my teammate, as well as my roommate. Um, she was there for me. And, you know, I still had Mama Jen. But I didn't want to feel like I was bringing that up since, you know, she had lost her husband. But she was still somebody to talk with. Mm-hmm. I would also stay with my Bible. I think uh, after Mama Jen had got me a new Bible, I think just before I left to go to Elon, um, I carried that around with me. And then I also would have, you know, some of my teammates, they would do like a Bible study. And I would do that because my grandfather, you know, he was heavy in the church. And with his faith, I wanted to continue to have that faith as well because it was hard. And I didn't want him to feel like I was giving up because he was no longer there. So I will look towards, you know, my close friends, my Bible and my faith. So, and those are certainly good, good ways to help manage things uh, as a family of faith. I think that makes a lot of sense to me that that was where you turn to and in, in moments of need and comfort. Um, let's let's shift a little bit now and talk about your grandmother. Mm. Um, she, you know, passed some years after your grandfather. So if you could do the same thing and and take me through your processing of that when you found mm-hmm. out that she was was ill and the process of caring for her and then when things came full circle. So talk to me about what that grief experience looked like for you. Hers was really hard. (laughs) They are both hard. Um, I remember the moment that I knew something was wrong. It was just before Christmas. I had went uh, Christmas shopping. I remember I was at TJ Maxx and I called my uncle's wife to see what I could get her children for Christmas. And up until this point, I knew Mama Jen had had surgery. And just at some point, I knew somebody, my mother or whoever, was going to give me an update. But I remember I called my uncle's wife, Gretchen, and I was just asking to see, you know, what did the kids like? What could I bring them or what did they need? And I remember the conversation kind of shifted to where she said, it's, it, I don't think it's good. Have you talked to your mom? And I remember I just, I stopped in the middle of the store. And I was like, oh, well, my mom hasn't told me anything. I didn't know. And I feel like she maybe tried to catch herself in it. So as soon as I got off the phone, I called my mom. Is everything okay? What happened? What's the update? And she was just totally calm. She was just like, everything is fine. Everything is fine. So I remember we went to go see her in the hospital. 
And shortly thereafter is when they broke broke the news of her cancer. It was so hard to hear because I'm just like, wait a minute. She is healthy. She gets up every morning and walks. You know, it's not, she wasn't a smoker. She didn't drink. And I'm just thinking like, not her. Once again, I just, that just, it completely shattered me. Just knowing that there was a time frame, knowing that time was not on our side, trying to figure out how much time I could spend with her, knowing at the moment, at that time, I lived eight hours away. I felt like it all went by so fast. I felt that I was when I was around her, I'd never wanted to be too emotional because that she was such a strong woman. She didn't cry. Remember, I only saw her cry once, and that's when she lost her husband. So I'm thinking, like, well, you have to be tough. You can't cry in front of her. If she's staying strong, you need to stay strong as well. But it was hard because she just looked so fragile. And that is never a word I would ever describe her as. But I can say every moment that I had with her that we shared are moments that I still think about to this day. Sometimes I don't cry and sometimes I do. So what, tell me about a moment that you think about that's a, a happy moment. Oh, my God. Where were we? I remember, I think we either had just gotten back from one of her treatments. And I feel like it, it was either, was it the Preakness was getting ready to start? They just did the, is that the one that's right after the Kentucky Derby? I can't recall, but. Yeah, Preakness comes out. The I remember. Kentucky Derby, uh-huh. Oh, okay. I feel like that was about to start. And I remember the horses, I guess they were doing warm-ups or whatever. I don't, I'm not really familiar with everything in, uh, you know, the derby races, but there was one horse <laughs> named Lady Ten that just decided to show out. And when I say we saw the way that horse is, it just fell out. And when we just started laughing and laughing about that, I guess I, she didn't want to make anybody any money that day. Um, but then I remember every time somebody would just randomly start to show out, we go like, okay, Lady Tim. Okay, Lady Tim. But I just remember just laughing at that. And just for, you know, just for those moments when you get to laugh, you don't have to think about the hurt. You know, it's almost as if cancer at that moment didn't exist because we were just, being together and laughing together, her illness was almost like it was, it wasn't even there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that one. That was, um, yeah, that was funny. I, I think <laughs> of that one too, from time to time. Yeah. Um, so 
And and that's one of the the things about this podcast because I know pain and grief is hard. And what I wanted to to do is for people to you know do just what you're doing, share your story. But there is also, I believe, a silver lining, a, a shift in perspective where you can identify some some lessons and blessings that come from experiencing those moments of pain and grief. And and I think a part of that can be memories, it can be stories. So if you were to pause for a moment and consider your the two stories you've shared with me, what would you say would be some lessons or blessings that you learned from your grandfather or your grandmother or in general? I can say with my grandfather is to have patience. I like to think sometimes I will exercise patience in most things and sometimes I don't. But to him, it's almost as if he would just let things happen to him naturally, very organically. But there are just times I know where I just want the results right away. But it's almost like if you would just be patient, things will come. And I have to remind myself that. Because it's it's almost as if I don't want to get in my way of whatever blessings I will receive. So I have to learn how to exercise a little bit of patience. Have, have, have some faith that things are going to come to you in the right time. I can say for my grandmother, it's as if she, it's as if she is still trying to tell me or help me in making certain decisions. And if I could briefly um, tell this story, Um, I've told you the story. It was actually a dream. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was getting ready to take a new position with my company and the new position was in Texas. Mm -hmm. And I had to give them whether I was coming the following day um, after the offer was uh, given to me, I had to give them my response. But that night I had a dream. My grandmother was in my dream and we were, I was supposed to fly somewhere, somewhere overseas. I don't remember, but I just remember I told her, Mama Jen, I'm going to be late. I can't stay. I have to go. And just as calmly as ever, she was just saying, it's not your time yet. So having said that, with the job and the new position, I was kind of going back and forth with it. But for her to tell me that, or for me to have a dream at that moment, just knowing I was supposed to get my response the next day, I had to take it as a sign. You know, I feel like she always is trying to help me. For the, I just look for the smallest details and I still feel her presence sometimes. Yeah, that's 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 rich. Um, and certainly 
I do think uh, blessings come in many shapes and forms and sizes. So it's good to know that you're paying attention um, and you recognize those things and can apply them uh, where they're needed. That's uh, so important. Um, as, As we're coming to a close, I know that with pain and grief, you know, things ebb and flow. Uh, You talked a little bit about, you know, the difficulty of both of those losses. Um, And you have to find some type of strength, some type of anchor. And what I found is having a a toolkit, a survival toolkit is so uh, helpful when you're dealing with moments of grief and pain. And if you were to offer advice or give a recommendation or some suggestions to anyone who may be dealing with pain or grief, what would that be? What would you say would be important for someone to consider for their survival toolkit? And it it may be a book, it could be two or three things, or it just might just be you know, a poem, a phrase, what, what would you say that a person you would think would be helpful to someone to have in their survival toolkit? What would that look like for you in terms of advice? I would definitely say if you like to write, journal. Or I say that because I've just recently found a a letter I had written to Paul Paul after he had passed, just telling him how things were going in my life and where I would like things to go in my life. You know, I find that I would put it in the form of as if I was going to mail it to them for them to open up and read it. Um, so I find journaling very, very helpful as well as of course, keeping a book, you know, our, my grandmother was a librarian Uh, I find just reading a book, whether it be something of comedy, autobiography, thriller, whatever you have, I just feel having a book with me is something that I can still connect to her with. And it just kind of gives me that little bit of peace of mind. Mm -hmm. I would also... If there's a moment where you find that you're just really, really struggling with your grief, whatever it is, think of the last happy moment, happy memory where you felt that you and your person or whatever it is that you, you laugh so uncontrollably that it releases enough energy to make you I guess, less sad, mm-hmm. less hurt, because it's the the happiness in me be able to see them smile and laugh and remember their reaction. That's better than me crying, holding my head down, you know. So those are definitely my three things, you know, all, journaling, reading a book, and thinking of the most happiest memory, funniest memory, if you will. Okay. I like those. I like those. Uh, uh, the journaling is certainly something. It's been around with me for a while. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can agree with you there. Uh, but good advice. Thank you for mm-hmm. sharing those. So if, if someone uh, wanted to get in touch with you after listening to your story, where would they reach out to you or how could they connect with you? Sure. Um, if anybody would like to reach out, I'm on Instagram. It's at E-G-R-A-H-A-M 12. Or you guys can also look me up on LinkedIn at Emerald Angelica Graham. Awesome. Well, Em, as I call you, thank you so much for making a little room and time to have this conversation with me. Um, you're really special to me in, in many ways. And I think over the years, we've, we've bonded even more um, from our, our losses in a very special way. So I, I treasure uh, having you so close to me. And I, I always close with this, this line for my listeners, because I never want people to lose hope. Uh, in their circumstances. And that is simply uh, never judge anything before it's time. In time and right perspective, your grief and pain will take its proper place in your life. Thanks for listening.